you should be thinking about your customer's journey through their whole experience with you, like as if you were in their shoes. Welcome to The Found Podcast with Molly Knuth, a podcast for women who are founding and getting found with their businesses online. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and my mission is to help women rewrite how we live and work on our own terms. We want to grow families, impact others for the better, and be a positive force in our communities. But we also want to have a fulfilling life, you know? In the past six years, I've gone from being a stay-at-home mom to a freelance social media marketer to a hashtag boss babe, managing client needs, talented team members, and my husband and four kiddos on our little farm here in Eastern Iowa. And what I've learned in that time is that it's not just about going full force or any one size fits all strategy for a business owner. It takes you leaning into your unique gifts, intuition, and goals, and learning who you are as a person along the way to founding this business. So come along for lessons and stories from female founders growing and scaling their businesses through energetics, tried and true tactics, and high vibe personal growth. Be ready to get found. Hey listener, welcome to another episode of The Found Podcast. This week, I am welcoming not just someone I admire, but also someone who I would consider as a friend. We met years ago in a mastermind that came together around the concept of revitalizing small towns. If you haven't yet, head over to Rural Revival. Um, It's hosted by Dana Larson, and it's all about people in small towns doing great things. But when Dana launched a mastermind, I got to meet today's guest, Kara Hammes of Nashville, Indiana. And as you'll hear in the episode, Kara is just like one of the smartest people I know. And everything in her life's story and experience has culminated in what she and her husband, Clint, are doing today, which is welcoming guests from all over the United States to their multi-use space and short-term rental property in Nashville, Indiana. Now, Kara has a real heart for small towns. She loves travel. She is very much a family-first kind of person. She's an organizer. She's a planner. And above all else, professionally, she is an exceptional host to her community and their space. And as you'll see, first, like, pause this, head over to bcbarnburner.com so you can like see what we're talking about in today's episode. But everything that they've put into this short-term rental property, from the artwork that adorns the walls, to the furniture that was curated for the spaces, to the colors that they chose, every bit of it was intentional. So that guests felt at home when they traveled to the barn burner, so that they felt like they were part of the collective community in Brown County, and so that they could really just be during their time away. And as you'll hear in today's episode, we don't just talk about how awesome the planning and building of the Brown County Barn Burner was, which is in and of itself such a cool project. But Kara also really wants others in the Airbnb and short rental, short-term rental space to know exactly what they're getting into. And so we'll talk about tips in today's episode. We'll talk about the financials that you need to consider if you're getting into this industry. And I hope you really just take away the fact that Kara is just an exceptional person with a huge heart for what she does. And without further ado, let's dig into today's episode with my friend Kara Hammes of the Brown County Barn Burner. Yay, Kara, I'm so happy to have you here on the Found Podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, let's just dig right in. I gave a little bit of an intro to the listeners before we came on here, but I'm going to turn it over to you. Why don't you give us your take on who you are, what you do, and who you help? Yeah, so I am Kara Hammes. I live in a small town in South Central Indiana. It's called Nashville, Indiana. And if you're from like anywhere near here, you may know that town or you may be more familiar. A lot of people call the area we live or refer to it as Brown County, Indiana. My husband and I designed, built, and we now manage a multi-use commercial space in our town called the Brown County Barn Burner. And at the barn burner, we have four apartments that we rent as short-term 
rentals slash Airbnbs. Um, there's an event space with an attached catering kitchen, and there's also a commercial retail space that we lease to a local bike shop. We built and opened the barn burner in 2020. So that was like a pretty wild ride of a year for a lot of reasons. And with like all those different spaces, I just mentioned, you can imagine like we have a lot of balls in the air with what we're doing with the barn burner. But our primary focus, like I said, we lease the commercial retail space. So we don't really do anything with that besides just, you know, act as the landlords for the bike shop. Our primary focus is the lodging and event space. And we prioritize renting the entire space at one time to larger groups. So like while we will occasionally rent the units individually, and we want to provide an exceptional stay for anybody that's staying with us, whether it's somebody in an individual unit or a larger group, our focus really is on, you know, providing a space that specializes in hosting large groups and families in a unique setting and providing everything that our guests could reasonably need to enjoy their stay. So that's kind of what we do at the Barn Burner in a nutshell. Uh, and we're going to dig into all of this from the 2020 of it all through the planning and the design. But I just really want to highlight the fact that what I see in the Barn Burner is that it is just really built with families and large groups in mind, like you already touched on. But it's about like making memories with your loved ones. And sometimes that could be for like a family trip or a reunion, or maybe if there's a business owner out there listening, like it would be the perfect retreat space. But really, you guys need to like pause this episode, go to bcbarnburner.com, look at how gorgeous these spaces are. And it really is just so intentionally laid out. And we'll get into all of the thought and the that work that you and your husband and your daughters did. But I just really wanted to echo the fact that this isn't your like run of the mill Airbnb. This is something special. Thank you. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, I gave that little snapshot and it's hard even once you're at the website, it can be hard to understand like how all the spaces fit together and how it's kind of all supporting itself, you know, supporting those things to make that the stay really great for our guests. But yeah, the folk, we were really intentional and really thought a lot about how it would be used by large groups and families. And I mean, you can check out our reviews to see like it's, it's working for that intended purpose. And we've hosted everything from, you know, wedding groups to small business retreats, like you mentioned, Molly, to, um, you know, everything, friends, everything in between. Um, and we love it when we've got groups using the entire space. Mm. Okay, so how did you kind of get into this line of work? I know like you and I connected because of a mutual love of small towns and rural revitalization, but take us back and like, how did you get interested in that small town way of life and really helping communities grow? Yeah, I mean, now in hindsight, it's like, you know, obviously I can recap, I can see how I got how we got here, but if you would have asked me like 15, 20 years ago, you know, described what we're doing now and been like, is this where you're headed? I would have probably laughed and been like, (laughs) no. (laughs) Um, It was, you know, I grew up in like a relatively small town in Southwestern Ohio. And I mean, now that town is huge compared to where we live now, but like growing up and compared to all the towns around us, we were the little, you know, little small town. And I just have found like, I love visiting cities while we were traveling, but really my heart is in small towns. I love calling places like where we live now home. And like, I've always loved learning. I was, grew up, I was really good at school. I, you know, this may sound, I don't know what, but like, I didn't have to try that hard. I was good at school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised pretty practically when it came to like making decisions for the future. Like, Both of my parents worked 30 plus years at the same company um, at a nearby town. And like Molly, I think we're very similar, if not the same age. But like when I was in high school, it was just like, if you want to be successful, you're going to college. And that was Mm -hmm. just, it was like a foregone conclusion. And I'm glad that like the conversation is coming around from that mindset. But like, I was good at school and it was just presented as like, you go to college. So it's like, why would I, I like learning? I like school. I want to be successful. Like I see the path forward. 
and I was always really interested in science and still am. And so I chose to go to a small, like engineering, math and science only college in Terre Haute, Indiana. I was called Rose Holman Institute of Technology. And so I went in with a biomedical engineering major. That's how I started. And again, I'm practical. Like it's not that I wanted to do biomedical engineering, but if you know people that are in engineering, like an engineering bachelor's degree kind of lets you do what you want. So it was like, (laughs) I can do this. I have this degree that, you know, could let me do whatever. And that was like the logic. But then I realized like once I got there, how much physics I would have to take to get that Mm -hmm. degree. And it turned out college level physics made me like literally like sick to my stomach. I would sit and try and do the homework. And it was like, my brain could not compute what I was trying to do. And so I was like, okay, like need to rethink this because I don't even want to be a biomedical engineer. I was just like picking this as the practical option. So I ended up switching to applied biology, which was more of my interest anyway, but you can't do as much with a degree in biology. But I had always planned to get my master's anyway. So it's like, that's fine. Graduated started working and I got my master's in public health and health policy. And um, so again, you can see like these things have nothing to do with owning a business or owning the business that we own. And after graduation, like I worked for the Indiana State Health Department lab for a couple years in different roles. I worked for the Indiana Board of Animal Health doing like animal health regulations I ultimately switched to being a project manager for a company that managed um, clinical laboratory trials. And that seemed like, at the time, like a dream option because I knew that once I was like up and trained, I could work from home if I wanted to. It was going to be like a 30% pay increase from what I was making in my government job. So it's like, all of that seemed like, great, like, why wouldn't I make this choice? But it ended up like I was working like 50% more hours. So all of a sudden that 30% pay increase did not seem (laughs) as great as it did at first. And I had, I was like working with this one client really extensively. That was just terrible. Like I was crying like five days a week. I mean, it was awful, but that job is what allowed us to make the decision to move here to Brown County, which we did in like 2016, because I could work from home. And so it's like, it ended up, we probably hadn't even lived here. Actually, I don't even think I lasted like a whole year at that company because I was just so miserable. But it allowed us to move here, which so it's like, I don't think I would go back and change that I wouldn't change the whole trajectory of all those other things that are kind of seemingly unrelated at this point. But that's what like led us here was that. And um, ultimately, I can probably talk about this more later, but my husband and I, since like, I don't know, probably when my first daughter was born, we've been really interested in like the concepts and pursuing financial independence and the concept of early retirement. And so one of the like ideas in some of that is like the idea of FU money, like that you have the money to do what you want and you don't have to make choices just because you know you need that next paycheck. And so once we were down here and we were a little more settled and my husband had switched to a job here locally and I was crying five days a week and I was miserable and it was like, okay, you know, what is FU money for if not to not be stuck in this this cycle mm-hmm. anymore? And so it's like, I didn't have, we didn't have enough saved at the time for it to be like, well, I'm never going to work again, but we had enough that it's like, I could leave that, like what had turned out to be like a really toxic work environment for me and just take a step back. And so much had changed. I mean, we were living in a totally new place when we moved here. We knew literally no one, like it just let us kind of like take stock and look at what we were doing. And so like, since then that was in 2017 that I quit that job and I've since like ran a landscaping company down here. I made block printed t-shirts and like simple syrups that I sold at the farmer's market and on Etsy. Um, I worked in the um, local Purdue extension office as an extension educator for a little over three years. I just left that job last August. 
Um, and then like along the way we have dreamed up and built and, you know, now have the barn burner. So like I said, at the beginning of this long-winded answer, it, it looks kind of windy, like in the rear view mirror, but I can see like where all those things stacked up and led us here. Like college is where I met my now husband. And that's how I ended up in Indiana to start with. I mean, just all of those things. And ultimately it all led us here to Brown County, which like when we moved here, it was on a bit of a whim and it was like, well, if we don't like it, we'll just move again. Because by that point we'd moved multiple times in our married life and with young kids. And I mean, now we can't imagine living anywhere else. So we're just so happy to be here and to live in a small town and to be in a place where we can be as involved as we are. Like I feel, and I think you know this, there's like a double-edged sword to this, that when you live in a small town, it, it is kind of more incumbent upon you, in my opinion, to use your skills and use your expertise to actually like help create the community that you want to mm -hmm. live in. And so like, it's been really great to have that opportunity here, you know, we've been and I've been involved in the farmers market. There are a lot of initiatives I was a part of in my time at Purdue Extension. Um, you know, with my public health background, I helped with like a septic ordinance, septic system ordinance rewrite. And you know, doesn't sound fun, but like somebody has to do it. So mm -hmm. yeah, um, that's kind of like the path that led us to where we're at now. I think there's a few things in your story that I just want to touch back on and like circle back. The, yeah. One of the first things you said was about like your parents and your upbringing. And yes, you and I, I think are of the same era. And similarly, my parents too, like they worked at, my dad's going to be 40 years at his place of um, employment. And my mom is going, she's probably close to 30 at this point. Um, but yeah, like their generation was, you know, you land a job and you know, that job's going to pay your bills and you're going to stay there for the most part. Right. And then I think that our era gets to learn from their way of life. And we are able then to be like, that was great, but there's other things out there. And so like in your story and kind of like in mine too, it's, we have the blessing now of being able to try different things and experience these various changes. Like when our when our interests change or when we try something that doesn't pan out the way we expected it to, like in your employment story, like it's okay. You don't have to stay there. You're not stuck. And what I hear through so many of those, I call them like almost lily pads or like, you know, those places <laughs> yeah. where you stop for a little bit. And like you said, when you look back, you can see how they all added up to where you are now, even though in the moment it might've felt like, Oh, a little bit chaotic, but there are so many of those things, no matter whether it was a place of employment or a place you lived or a role that you served, like you take different skills and different lessons from each of those to come together and culminate in where you are today. And I know that in your work today and hosting the guests to Brown County, like I'm sure you pull from your experiences as the employee in that toxic workplace, you pull from your public health, you pull from some of the um, interpersonal skills that you've learned through your extension. And so all of that adds up to where you are now. Yeah, well, and I can talk about this more later, but a big piece too of how the barn burner is, how and why the barn burner is designed the way that it is has to do with regulations in our county around like the way short-term rentals, the way they can be approved or what houses can, can be approved as a short-term rental. And so, I mean, all of that is like buried in these local zoning ordinances and things like that. But when I worked for the, um, you know, state health department and the board of animal health, like I did a lot with helping to write and edit and do all of this for like certain Indiana code type regulations that affected the work I was doing, but it's like the way that you read that stuff and understand it and know how to like dig in and be like, well, that you said this here. And so now that means it needs to be defined over here. And what does, you know, how does this all work together? Definitely played into 
how we came up with the idea for the way the barn burner is structured. And so like something that again, at the time, it doesn't have anything to do with short-term rentals, but it ultimately like that skill played a role in us being able to think outside the box with, you know, what we've built now. Let's dig into that a little bit, Kara. So we're, it's 2019, early 2020. Walk us through the thought process that you and your husband had when you looked at what was at the time a space in Nashville. And how did you take that outside the box kind of thinking to develop what is now the barn burner? Yeah. We'll have to actually even rewind like further back than 2019. So um, like I said, I we moved here in 20 late 2016. I had quit the job I had in the summer of 2017. And just again, we were interested in the idea of like financial independence and early retirement and all that. So like we were always looking and talking about other ways to be making money, like what investments we could be making that could serve us for the long term and could potentially be more passive than like a salaried job. And um, if you're at all familiar with the area we live in, with Brown County, Indiana, we have the largest state park in Indiana here, the Brown County State Park. And there are a lot of other reasons why this is like a pretty big regional tourist destination. So once we moved here, you know, we were looking at and talking about the idea of owning, you know, looking at houses and considering owning, you know, something as an Airbnb. And that's like for a variety of reasons, not just the location that we're in and knowing that there's a tourist demand here, but we have done a lot of our own renovations and DIY. So we like had that skill set to manage it ourselves. I have my real estate license. And so like I knew that I could manage that side of it and save us money in that way. But as we started to get like more familiar with the area and just the local regulations, like I was mentioning, there are some pretty strict rules about what homes that the county will approve to be used as short-term rentals. So like something being rented for less than 30 days and the owner isn't present. And it has to do, you know, they look at like how close is the next nearest already approved short-term rental, how close is the next nearest like lodging struck, you know, other home, just some, anybody could be living there, but like how close is that to the house you're trying to get approved? Um, and they also cap occupancy at 10 people. And that's based on like, they'll look at the size of your septic system or if you're on sewer and it's like, that'll determine how many people you're allowed to host. It's not the house is this big, I could fit this, I can like puzzle piece this many people in, like the county controls how many they'll approve. And that's for a lot of reasons, because again, like there would just, like every house would be a short-term rental if they weren't Mm -hmm. controlling it. So I'm not complaining about every house, that's an exaggeration, but like, I'm not complaining about those rules. That's just the reality here. Then like, as we looked more into it, it was like, it's very hard to find a house that isn't already approved as a short-term rental that could be approved. So then if you're not doing that, if you're going to buy one that's for sale, that's already approved, like the sale price is just astronomical. And we just, I don't know, we just weren't excited about it. Like the more we looked into it, the more we thought about it, we just weren't excited about it. And we also were like Clint, my husband is from a really big family and we travel a lot with my family and, you know, sometimes with his and with big groups of friends. And we just felt like there was a really big gap in the market for that larger group lodging. Because like I said, most houses are capped at 10 people and you can't, it's not just, there's some like grandfathered in places, but for the most part, it's not like, well, I'll just take this one and the one right next door. And yeah, we can fit 20 now. That's very rare here. So we knew the way that we traveled and, you know, we love it here. And before we moved here, this is a place we would travel to, but it's like, there were very few, if any, options that weren't a hotel that we could have just been to like all of Clint's family, like let's rent it and let's all 20 of us with, you know, parents, siblings, kids, all that go and stay. And I think a lot of people listening can probably identify that with that, because if you're traveling in a large group, a hotel is not ideal. Like you want to be able to have common spaces and you want to be able to like, you know, socialize. Yeah. And if you're traveling with kids, it's like, okay, they're in bed 
I'm an early to bed person, so this doesn't bother me too much. But most people, okay, yeah, your kids are in bed. It's 839. And then it's like, well, now what? Like somebody's got to stay here with them for the most part. It's not like I can just leave and go hang out in the hotel bar or whatever with everybody else. So, you know, I don't like to stay in hotels for the most part anyway. And then when you start to, again, look like you're saying at the big groups or with families, it's just not ideal for the way that we like to travel. It can work for plenty of people, but like didn't work for us. And so that's like how the wheels started to kind of turn because all of those rules that I just talked about, those apply to, you know, residentially zoned homes. And what we realized was like, well, if we could find a business zoned property, that would not be under those regulations. And it would also enable some other things like having multiple units in the same building, like having the commercial spaces like the bike shop, you know, the commercial retail space or the event space. So it just let us, like it opened up other opportunities to like stack income, to stack uses. And in 2018, then we found like a potential property that was right near in town of Nashville. And we like the location, the size, all of that, like we ran enough numbers that we felt like, okay, we could make this work. And we were originally going to close on like purchasing the property and a construction loan to build, you know, like what we were envisioning at the same time in 2018. But it ended up, it was just like too many things going at once. And we just felt really rushed and like not good about that plan. So we ultimately just bought the property where there were like these two buildings that were on it originally that had been vacant for, I don't know, like 10 to 20 years. I mean, they were not, you know, they weren't in great shape, but so we bought the property with those buildings and decided to just, we'll pursue the construction loan to build, you know, I don't even know that we knew it was going to be called the barn burner at the time, but like, what is now the barn burner? We'll get that money for construction separately. And we thought, you know, like maybe that would be like four to six months more. We would have the construction loan. We'd be able to start building. Um, it ended up being like almost two years. Again, we bought the property in 2018. And I said earlier, we didn't build until 2020. And like all of that time was just us trying to figure out the funding and secure a bank. So yeah, we did finally do that. Obviously, we've now been hosting guests for like two and a half years. But I will also say we were like, ridiculously naive and in that original figuring that we were like oh here's what it's going to cost and here's what we could make and we're geniuses like we're going to make this happen <laughs> we were very wrong about what we thought it would take to build it but I mean we also I think underestimated what we could charge per night and the amount of occupancy you know what I mean like it all worked out and we kind of joked like well, if we can convince a bank to give us this loan, like they're going to be way more conservative than we <laughs> are, you know, and knowledgeable, frankly. And so we ended up, like I said, spent way more money on the construction than those initial like paper napkin figurings would have led us to believe. But we did it. We got the bank loan in 2020. We've built, you know, hosted hundreds of groups in the two and a half years we've been open. And it's working out on the financial end. But I just wanted to plug that like, man, you can really trick yourself. <laughs> I think it's that's to your advantage sometimes when you're going into oh, business. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I can do this. And just yeah. that like naivete, it's it yeah. serves you well. Like, but in <laughs> hindsight, you're like, what was I thinking? Yeah. But the thing I love about you is that like, you're so open and you're really like, you're on a mission to just kind of demystify these processes. And especially around the concept of short-term rental hosting. And positioning the air, like the Airbnb, I know you and I have talked before. It's like, you know, Airbnb is like the Kleenex, you know, yeah. it's the brand yeah. that is now interchangeable with the product, but yeah. it's like, there are people who go into Airbnb, like short-term rentals with this concept, like, oh, I've got this space. I can just plug a number on it and then we'll just rent it out. And I love that you're taking us into the nitty gritty and making sure that if anybody out there who's listening is considering something like this for themselves as an additional income stream, there are so many other factors you really need to check before you go and make those investments, looking at your ordinances, looking at your zoning, looking at 
like running those numbers again and making sure that really it is all going to work out for you because again, naivete can serve you very well, (laughs) but you also want to have the clear picture. And I just, I really appreciate that you are taking us into that side of it because that can be the side that as important as it is, doesn't get enough um, discussion time. Yeah. And I think it's like, I mean, granted, you know, we're trying to provide a like much more full service type offering than some Airbnb hosts choose to. I mean, if you're somebody that, like you said, an Airbnb, it doesn't mean you rented it through Airbnb, but like you all know what I'm talking about. If you have used Airbnbs at all in your own travels, like I'm sure we all have tales of terrible Airbnbs. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I, I get, even though, again, we are trying to like convey and be as clear as possible that like we provide everything you can reasonably need. I want to make it easy for people to get away and stay at our spaces. But it's like, at least probably once a month, I am answering questions from guests of like, do we have to bring our own sheets? Do we have to provide our own toilet paper? You know, I mean, just like to me, and again, I've stayed at Airbnbs where that is the model, but that's just not what we offer. And I think that, you know, there's been such a proliferation of Airbnbs in recent years and people, again, I mean, it's have kind of taken advantage of this willingness of guests to do certain things that like a hotel would never ask you to do. And I think the pendulum is coming back a little bit to kind of be like, look, you're providing the space for me to stay. And I'm paying, you know, a lot of times like a pretty hefty premium to do that, to have this private space. So it's like, so what are you providing as the host? And granted, I mean, there are Airbnbs of all sorts everywhere and you can make money in a lot of different like business models. So it's like you can price and know that like part of my low pricing is that you're doing more as the guest and there's going to be guests that like that's totally fine with them and that's what they're looking for. But you do need to be clear about like what you're offering, what the costs are to you as the business owner to provide those things. And also then like what premium are guests willing to pay, you know, to have that taken off their plate. So there is definitely more to it than just make your listing on Airbnb and like watch the cash roll in for sure. Mm -hmm. And I know that that was front and center in your mind from the planning through the build, through the design, and then ultimately hosting guests. It was really, you weren't just having a place for them to sleep. It was like, how are we providing them an experience and a getaway while they are here so they are immersed in Brown County? And I just, I love all that you guys have so intentionally brought into the Brown County Barn Burner to highlight that. So can you take us through, like from that mindset of like really being a hospitality kind of industry Mm -hmm. addition, not just like someplace to stay, but like how did that intentionality and that mindset of being a host in your area as a destination affect your decisions through the planning design and build process? Yeah. Well, I think part of it for me, especially because like we went into it with the focus on large, you know, knowing that what we wanted to do was host large groups and families, having that be our priority, you know, I, my mom is a planner, you know, I've got a sister-in-law that's a plan, like just as far as when it comes to trips and being the one that's like thinking of all those little details, I am a planner like that. And so it's like, if you have just as a mom to plan a trip for your immediate family, it's like, you know, all those little moving pieces of all the things you have to remember and planning meals and what do we need to pack? And do you have a kid that needs a pack and play and all, I mean, like, it's a lot if you're the person playing that role in your group. And it's like, now take that and it's you and three other families going anywhere. Like, even if you're collaborating in the planning, there's still somebody that is kind of like taking a central organizational role. And it's like, even as a planner, to plan trips like that is just like above stressful for me because you don't know all the things everybody else is worried about. And your travel style might not be their travel style. And it's like, just to pull a trip together to find the time on the calendar to like get everybody squared away and on the same page. Like that's already a huge task. And so then again, as the place where I'm hoping that you'll choose to come and stay with us and have that trip, 
to also be like, and you need to bring your own toilet paper and, you know, like, <laughs> don't forget got, to pack the hand soap. Yeah, like, we, have, we have one skillet. So hopefully that works for what you're, you know, we don't, we like, we, I want this stuff to be there. And when you need it, it's there. And again, as a planner and as a mom, sometimes it feels like I need a vacation from my vacation. Like all mm -hmm. I did was just coordinate that whole thing for everybody. And that wasn't even relax. You know what I mean? You can end it and feel like that was not even relaxing or enjoyable for me. Like good for them that I just created these memories for like, but what about me? And that may sound selfish, but it's like, I want the people that are planning to know, like you can show up and it is not just a constant like wrangle. And again, that stuff is where you would expect it to be. Um, I think I've shared before kind of online, just there's a couple things that I kind of go back to when I'm thinking about setting up the space, because again, a short-term rental is different even than like, let's say you're great at hosting guests at your own home. That's different than setting up a good short-term rental because you're there to like respond to your guests' needs if you're just having house guests. But it's like at an Airbnb for the most part, like it's a good weekend if I don't talk to them at all. If I don't mm -hmm. see them, I never show them the space. So it's like, if it's nighttime and you're like, well, I'm cold, I want another blanket or I need another pillow. It's like, is that stuff there? Can you even find it if you needed it? And just all of those little pieces, like making sure that it's easy for our guests, that we're meeting the needs of as many people as, you know, could reasonably meet as far as like expectations. Um, that the space is welcoming, that it's, again, easy for them to just use it and settle in and enjoy their trip. And so there's like a lot of layers to that and how that comes into being in this space. But that's always what I go back to, just like putting myself in the shoes of the guest, because we've traveled enough and have stayed in enough Airbnbs that I've probably had like almost every bad experience you could have in an Airbnb. And again, I keep going back and I read descriptions carefully and there's ways that I can, you know, kind of help control that. But it just makes me that much more committed to being like creating the kind of space that I want when I travel as well. And I think from the time people walk up to the barn burner and walk in the door, you can tell that you are a host who really values their whole entire experience from having those amenities like you talked about, and also looking at like what you choose to fill the space with, like the antiques, the wall decor, the colors that you used, like all of that is an in intentional experience for the guest. And it really speaks to the story and the history of Brown County. You're not just getting prints on the wall that you picked up at Hobby Lobby on their half off sale. Like these have been thoughtfully picked and curated throughout the county from your local shops and your local vendors to tie it all back to your care and your love for your small town. So can you talk about like, when did you decide that that was going to be the way you not only like stocked the cabinets, but also like how you put the spaces together aesthetically, how and when did that come into the conversation that that was the way you were going to take the decor side of the barn? Yeah. Um, again, like going back to how I like, how I, you know, I think this is true for any business. Like you can think about, you should be thinking about your customer's journey through their whole experience with you, like as if you were in their shoes. And often, you know, if you own a retail shop, like you've gone into retail shops that are, you've had good experiences in and bad experiences in, and you can set up your space to like reflect the good experiences to the best of your ability. And I mean, anything, banking, anything that you're doing, you have probably had some other side interaction where it's like, you know what you like and don't, don't like out of that experience. And so like when I'm traveling, I am, you know, willing to pay more to stay in a place that to me is inspirational, that is beautiful, that is like well-designed because I use travel as a chance to like experience a new place and like leave again with that inspiration just to like carry back home with me. So I wanted that as well in our space. So that was part of it. Just wanting to have, like, I would call it a sense of place, like 
that where you're staying fits into the narrative of the place that you're at. And our area is like really wooded and there's a lot of cabins here. And so, I mean, there's a lot of places you can stay that have like a very rustic decor, you know, like log furniture and all that. And like, that's great, but not only is our space not a cabin. So it's like, to me, that style didn't make sense. You know, we're in town. It was a new build. Like we did a lot of things to like add character to the space, but it's still, it's not a old log cabin in the woods. And so to me, like that already put it in like a different, I don't know, I call it like the fancy cousin, the like the city mouse or whatever versus the country <laughs> mouse. Like it's yeah. like, to me, the like town embodiment of, again, like this feel of our area of like a rustic old timey. I mean, our downtown is like all, you know, there's maybe like two or three buildings that are more than three or four stories tall. So it's like a very old timey feeling area. And um, there's a like a big artist presence here. And so just embodying that, but then also it kind of went to just the financial reality of what we were trying to do. I don't know if you've ever, if you've furnished even one house or apartment with new furniture, but like, there's no way that we could have afforded to do that for four apartments all at one time. And so that also necessitated the like vintage and thrifted furniture. It's something that I like to do anyway. So it's like, I didn't mind an excuse to go to more flea markets and like vintage whatever's. So there was the financial reality of like, even if I wanted new furniture, there's like not any way that I could afford it. The other reality of having short-term rentals is like people are using the spaces. Sometimes things, you know, stuff gets spilled, things get dropped, there's going to be kids there. And so that's to me another level of like making our guests feel comfortable because, you know, we have almost all the units have like a, a leather couch in them that we got secondhand. And it's like, leather is just very forgiving. You can spill stuff on it. You can wipe things down. If it gets a scuff, that doesn't matter. Like it looks better with a scuff. If the dining tables get a water ring, like, okay. You know, they probably already had a water ring when I bought them. And it just adds to the story of the space in a way. But it also just, I don't want it to feel like a precious space that it's like, don't touch that. Don't put your feet up. Don't relax. Like it all comes together to just like create a space that you can feel comfortable in and put your feet up. Um, and again, that fits in the area that we're in, in the style of space. It's like, it's not a super modern, pristine space or, you know, and that's not like what the area is kind of known for. And there's nothing wrong with that. But again, knowing who I'm targeting, knowing that I'm trying to have large groups, knowing that, you know, we want to be able to welcome families. It's like, I didn't want the spaces to feel so precious that you're, you're worried, you're more worried about like everything staying spotless than just enjoying your time. And, you know, our guests overall have like really taken good care of things. Some things have gotten broken, but not out of any kind of like malicious intent. It's like, that's just part of business. And the other great thing about it all being thrift, almost all of it being thrifted is I like to say like, Everything is one of a kind, but nothing is irreplaceable. Like I can go to the Brown County Antique Mall and find another lamp tomorrow if if this one gets broken. Like it's not going to look identical, but it'll work and it'll be less than $20. And it's like, it just works from a business perspective as well for us. So I think throughout that, again, there's those common threads of really like you said, a sense of place. So playing into the overall presence of being in Nashville or in Brown County. And I love that you tied in so many really great tips for potential Airbnb hosts who are listening in, because there might be this pressure that you need to have all new everything if you're going to start this for yourself. But I, again, go to the website, go to the Instagram feed and you have put together, and I really, the word curated just fits because it's like everything was intentionally thought and it all comes together and it just feels so warm and welcoming and cozy. And if you like 
if you're really thinking about this as an opportunity for yourself, listener, like there are so many different ways and so many different business models to make this happen. And it doesn't all have to begin and end with buying everything brand new, because to your point, it's a short-term rental, it's going to get used and you want to make sure that it's okay if things go awry sometimes. I think that you filled that with so many great points about tips for potential listeners too. Yeah. And I mean, like, I won't gloss over the fact that like furnishing with thrifted and vintage does take more time. I mean, we were collecting stuff for this build for, you know, two years or more. Our house was like stacked to the literal gills. I mean, to the ceiling, four apartments worth of couches, dining tables, chairs, all this stuff. I mean, most people aren't diving in as fully into furnishing four spaces at one time. Um, It does take more time to shop that way. And so uh, there's not anything against new. You know, I know plenty, you know, I know lots of other short-term rental owners here that whether they use new things or their space just has like a totally different design perspective. I think it just comes back to, I mean, this is definitely true for Airbnb is true for any business. Like what really being honest with yourself about like, what is going to work for you and what perspective you're able to kind of give life to. I mean, I follow lots of accounts of people all over the country that have like awesome themed rentals and, you know, or have like a retro RV park or, you know, just a space that's like industrial modern or things again, where it's like, I could not have dreamed up that space and I could not have created it in the way that they did. But that's, you know, that's fine. It is, you need to be clear about like, what do you have available to you as far as like your skills, your interests, um, the spaces, like if you lived on a farm, there are people doing really cool, like farm stays and like where their guests are able, it's like, Hey, you can collect the eggs for your breakfast or whatever. It's like, again, that's not the kind of Airbnb I want to run, but like there are so many iterations of how it looks and how it's done successfully, but it does start with being clear about like your area, what you're able, you as the host able to bring to the table in that perspective. And then like embodying that and walking through, you know, through your guests shoes. And I will also say, I would be remiss if I made this sound like, you know, like we totally do it ourselves. We have a really phenomenal cleaner and her team that like have a level of detail orientedness and like make sure that the spaces are spotless between guests. And that goes a long way to the fact that like, if my couch or table looks a little grungy because they've been used, they're thrifted, you know, they're dented and banged up, but like everything else is pristine. (laughs) You know, you can overlook the Mm -hmm. patina on certain pieces when the cleanliness is top notch. And that's really important to me as well. But I mean, I think that's also true of any space. So it's like, there's other pieces of it and you don't have, I would in fact encourage you, like, don't look at my space and think, well, this is the design I need. It's more about like, that was what resonated with me that fit with the type of people that I knew we wanted to host that worked for just like my general style. And there are other people here in this area, again, with very successful rentals that look totally different than ours that are in cabins or have log furniture or are modern spaces. And it's like, you can make it whatever it is work. But I do think that like a clear kind of person, I don't think perspective, like point of view can go a long way in helping your space stand out. Ah, we knew this when we were going to, when we started the interview, we're like, we're going to have more to talk about than we have time for. So I'm going to, I have one more question and then we will go into like our small talk round, which is just quick little one hitters. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Okay. So one of the big things like we started with is just like how, when you have an Airbnb space or short-term rental, it really is like part of the community, right? So what, Mm -hmm. I'm just curious to know, like what has been the response from others in Nashville, Brown County? How have you helped contribute to the local economy and what have, I know you mentioned like having a really great cleaning staff. So like contributing to those sorts of businesses, what other feedback have you gotten locally from others in your area? Yeah. I mean, I think, like I mentioned, the 
property when we bought it had two kind of like very rundown buildings that had been vacant or had very like in and out tenants for a long time. And so, I mean, a lot of the feedback has just been like, and the block we were in is kind of like an outer corner of town. It just, you know, the two buildings on our property were not doing anything to help the other buildings on our block. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think just uh, mostly appreciation of like, thank you for doing something that, you know, was better, was way better than what was there. And so taking something, revitalizing it, we, you know, I, again, I like old things I like. So it's like kind of hurt our hearts to decide to tear down those old buildings, but we did salvage a lot of wood and some other materials out of them that we repurposed in the barn burner spaces. So, you know, like the old buildings do live on in small ways. Um, So people are, you know, really glad for that because of the model that we have, like being able to have the retail space that the bike shop leases. Um, I mentioned we have a really big state park here. And between that and like some other areas, we have what's called like a bronze level mountain bike trail system here through like the International Mountain Bike Association or something. And it's like before this bike shop that's in our space opened, it had been several years since the last one locally had closed. And so it's like, it was a needed service in the community for something that locals and uh, people travel here to use that mountain bike trail system. So being able to like offer that space that worked out for the bike shop to move into, um, having the event space, like, yes, sometimes it's rented by guests and it kind of adds on to that experience, but we also use it for community meetings and there's group, you know, locals will use it for baby showers or, local groups will be like, could we just need a place to meet? Could we use it? And if it's open, you know, I'll often either give them like an extremely discounted rate or be like, just put the table, you know, clean up when you're done and that's fine. But being able to offer that. So that's just been really good. It also, again, because of the way we did it, it is like using the tourist rental piece the income from that is what is like backstopping and allowing us to be more, I don't know, like giving and experimental in the other spaces. And so that's been another thing that we've gotten good feedback out of. It's like by literally stacking, like we have more than one floor, there's multiple uses in the space is like a more efficient way to revitalize that property than some other ways it could have been used or even using the buildings that were there as they were. It just, I don't know, it like allows things that wouldn't have ever been possible in the spaces as they were there. And that isn't possible with an Airbnb in like your normal house cabin, whatever. So uh, it's been good. I think it's great. And it's hard to like through the format that we're using audio, Like you really do need to go look at the spaces on the website. Can you let listeners know, like, where do they go? Um, What are some social platforms you're on if they do want to follow up and look at your spaces? Yeah. So our website is BC, like Brown County, barnburner.com. And it's the same thing on Instagram and Facebook at BC Barnburner. And you can also Google the Brown County Barnburner and Hopefully, you know, my SEO person out there, she's got my back. Hopefully we pop up for that as well. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. And everybody, you have to go look at it because it's like, it is so gorgeous. Okay. We just have time for a couple of really quick questions, but are you up for some small talk? Yeah, for sure. All right. Number one, we've talked a lot about travel. What is a place that is on your travel bucket list? Uh, well, actually in like, two and a half, three weeks now. Um, I'm going to one that's probably been on my bucket list since like high school French class. I'm going to Morocco with my mom and my sister-in-law. And so we'll be there for like 10 days, I think. So I'm really looking forward to that. And we have some other like really cool family travel with my husband and kids that have kind of fallen into the place the rest of this year. So yeah, I'm just excited to get back to traveling period with COVID and this huge construction and like financial commitment of our own. You know, we had a, several years where we were very limited in our travel. So most like up and coming front of mind for me right now is Morocco, but there's 
I've got a long list of places I want to visit. I always love talking to you and hearing about your travels. <laughs> You're so, I love it. All right. Number two, you and I have talked before and I was hoping we'd have time for it, but we, we don't. Yeah. I'll have to come back another time. <laughs> we will. Cause this could be a whole episode in and of itself, but I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but we've talked a lot about like setting yourself up financially well as a business owner and as a person. So what is a book or a podcast that you think everybody should go check out, listen to, read if they want to begin this journey towards that financial independence as well? Yeah. Um, so from a business perspective, a book that has been really helpful for me, just even in like the last six months has like totally like blown my mind open and made me relook at a lot of the ways we're doing things. Um, is a book called Profit First. And I think I shared it with you, Molly, and you were like, it's on my bookshelf and I never finished reading it. <laughs> I got to like chapter two and then I like set it aside. And when you said it, I was like, duh. And it it's so, so challenges the way that we've maybe thought about it before. But anyway, I'm not going to hijack yeah, your answer. No, <laughs> no, but no, I just, I think what's that, I mean, it, that book and I'll share, maybe you can just link them in the show notes, some of the other like sites that we have found really helpful in like our personal financial journey. It all comes back to the fact that I think like one, like I said, I did not go to school for any of this. And so, and I am not innately a like repetitive details person. And so like balancing books and reading a profit and loss, I mean, it's just not my thing. And especially in business, you know, it ha you have to have some level of understanding there and you have to work with your own like inclinations. And so Profit First was super helpful with that. I can share some other websites if you just want to link them in the show notes that were yep. helpful in like, our personal financial journey. But it's like, you have to be willing to learn and I don't know, try something different when it's not working because especially in business, it's so easy to feel like you created this thing that you're now like a slave to. <laughs> And it's like, what, wait, where's all the money? And um, yes, it comes with time and hard work and you have to make sacrifice. But I've Profit First has just really helped me like flip the script, like you were saying of like, okay, let's get real here. How, what do I need to do to make this work for me? It shouldn't be the other way around forever and ever. Yes. And I, we will link that. And then yeah, send me any other ones and we'll make sure we drop them into the show notes yeah. for the listeners. Um, last question. When you are at the barn burner, let's say you're going from one guest to another, what are two things you always make sure you do before you welcome a new guest? Um, like I said, like we have a cleaner and her team that take care of all of the, you know, the nitty gritty down and dirty part of it. But I always try and they do a phenomenal job, but I always try and also walk through the spaces before guests check in. Um, just to put another set of eyes on it. And so a couple things that I'm always checking other than just like general once over is stuff where it's supposed to be is how much coffee is there in the little like Starbucks bag? And if it's running low, is there another one in the fridge or freezer? And um, we have a rooftop patio space. And the whole idea of it is that the furniture is really mobile and people can move it around in whatever way, you know, works for them and their group and the weather. But that means like people do move it all around all the time. And so another thing that I'm always doing is putting all the furniture back, you know, kind of in its place. Um, just so when people come, it's like set up nice, looks good, and it's ready for them to move all around and me to reset it again after they go. But those are the two things that I'm always double checking. <laughs> I love watching your stories for like the patio furniture, like moving back around and like using the leaf blower to get the confetti out of the shrubs. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, Kara, thank you so much for all of your time and your insight. I always love chatting with you. Your mind just like, I just love listening to you talk. So thank you. I know the listeners are going to love it too. And one more time, how can people connect with you if they want to know more? Yeah. Um, I mean, Instagram is definitely the platform I'm the most active on. And so that's at BC Barnburner. Um, but you can also contact me through our website, which is just bcbarnburner.com. And we also have a Facebook page. So yeah, I would love to hear from anyone. Um, if you've got questions about short-term rentals, I've got opinions I'm willing to share with you. So definitely reach out. And if you're somebody, I know Molly's in Iowa, but if you're 
near Indiana or ever in the area, like, please keep us in mind. Thank you. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening in to The Found Podcast. If you loved what you heard in today's episode, please head over to The Found Podcast on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. It means so much to know how you think about these episodes where I pour out my heart or to know what strategies you found most effective from our guest experts. While you're there, you can also check out that library of 100 plus episodes of stories of female founders and successful strategies for getting found in your business. Thank you again for being here this week and I'll be back with even more in next week's episode.